how do you price an ad on your channel? That's probably the most common question we get from other creators. And it was the biggest question we had when we first started on YouTube. So we're hosting a live workshop on how to price yourself. This is everything that we've learned in the past 13 years of being on YouTube and our simple three-step process that'll help you develop concrete pricing. So if you wanna join us for this live session, just go to colinandsamir.com slash live. Enter your email and you'll get all the information about our live event on May 9th. All right, hope you enjoy this episode of The Colin and Samir Show. You want to start this time? You just started. Did I just start? Yeah, we're in it. Oh, we're in it. Oh my God, we're in the episode. All right, Colin, Samir, welcome to The Colin and Samir Show. Today, we're going to be talking about what we're all going to do if Instagram actually fails, if it just shuts down. We're also going to be covering YouTube shorts and if they're still worth your time as a creator Lastly, we're going to talk about whether you should diversify when you post on platforms or if you just go all in on one. And if you're familiar with the show, you know that's not all we're going to talk about. We're going to get into some other stuff as well. Talk about the world of the creator economy, as well as just generalities about mine and Colin's life. Not to mention gripes. Not to mention sometimes we throw in some gripes. Now, quick gripe with all of you. Wow, early gripe. Okay. If you're a first-time listener, just so you know, gripes normally don't come till after the intro. This is a pre-intro gripe. Okay, this is, a, this is a gripe with the people who've been listening to the show and enjoying it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. If you haven't reviewed the show, then I have a gripe with you. It'd be great if you're enjoying the show. Mm. Drop us a review. Wow. Rate us on Spotify, you know? I would imagine there's a lot of uh, outstanding people who have not yet reviewed it. Right. And that's a lot of gripes. And that would be great. You're living with hundreds of thousands of gripes. It weighs on me every day. So if you could release that and just review the show... That would be awesome. Also, if you're new here, join our Reddit. That's where we answer the questions from. All right, let's get into it. Colin, we're going to your hometown this week. That is true. We yeah. are going to New Jersey. New Jersey, the land of the burgers. Apparently, yeah, that is where Mr. Beast is going to be launching the first ever physical location of Beast Burger, and we are going to be there. So Jimmy called me yesterday and was like, hey, man, you got to come. Like, we're opening up the physical Mr. Beast Burger. Come film. Come just, you know, come along for the day and check it out. And I was like, you know what? This is kind of a landmark moment in our industry. And I think we should go and experience those moments. And you said, okay, we'll think about it. We'll get back to you. I didn't say that. Yeah, didn't you? I, I didn't really. I was kind of like... Cool. We'll be there. I'll oh, figure it out. Oh, because the way it was sold to me was yeah. like, let's think about it. Yeah. But then I was like, I'll walk back if I need to. I'll walk back if I need to. But, you know, I'll go in hot first and just say, cool. Sounds good, man. I like this idea. We'll be there. Makes sense. Yeah. But then we got to the point that many YouTube creators who have long term significant others get to that point where you have to then turn to your significant other and say, hey, I know we had plans this weekend. I know you've been reminding me about those plans for weeks, but I actually need to be in East Rutherford, New Jersey for a burger opening. Sorry. (laughs) One one day I feel like we should have them on the show to cover just like, what is it like to date YouTube creators in their mid thirties who are trying to like have a settled down life, but also trying to make it on YouTube who like the settled down life. I love a settled down life. And that's part of the reason why we have a podcast. We sit in chairs and, and talk, but Every once in a while, you get invited to something that you just can't say no to. I feel like it's happening more and more, though. Like oh, we, yeah. we did a 24-hour trip to Tribeca Film Festival to go watch one of our friends, uh, Paul Rabel's movies. 
uh, which actually is out now on ESPN Plus. By the way, if you're interested in sports documentary, Colin and I shot a good portion of that. Uh, it's called Fate of a Sport. It's about lacrosse. But we did like a 24-hour trip to New York and back. Mm-hmm. And it's essentially what we're doing again for New Jersey. Yeah, really. Yeah. It's about 48 hours there and back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're going to explore, you know, Ryan Trahan said something really interesting to us about videos and like what, 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 how do they serve you and how do they serve the audience? And one of the things he talked about was, you know, format creation. Like, are you, are you doing something to potentially create a new format? And this is a new format that we've been wanting to explore this concept of following a creator for a certain amount of time, spending a day with a day with, yeah. 24 hours, 24 hours with and doing it, especially at a big moment you know, a moment where the landscape is changing, the industry is changing or the, or that creator's career is changing, I think is a really cool moment. That's because I think you get some of that contrast or hopefully we'll get that contrast of what does it look like when Mr. Beast is eating breakfast compared to what will be probably one of the craziest days of his career, right? Like you get the low and you get the high. Yeah. I, I fear that there's going to be too much high like it'll be so exciting and there won't be enough tension in it in the day, but I guess we'll go experience it and find out. I fear that we're going to be flying too high and we're going to forget to press record or a I'm card's not, going to fill up. Don't worry about we that. We haven't done production like this in a while. We'll be fine, man. We got a documentary on ESPN Plus that we, we're, we're credited as camera operators. That was eight years ago. We're camera ops, man. We'll be fine. I know oh. Jesse is listening to this right now as he's editing. Yeah, he's laughing. Saying they're yeah. not fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... On this note of kind of creators having these big moments, I wanted to give a big shout out to Vsauce and uh, our friend Jake Roper, who's part of Vsauce. They sold their business, Curiosity Box, for $12 million to a company called Mel Science. Now, Curiosity Box is a subscription science box, essentially where if you're a fan of Vsauce or really if you're not a fan of Vsauce and just a fan of science, um, you can buy this and and it comes once a month on a subscription and you get new and interesting toys and and things that you can play with and and build and explore in this box. And and it's so powerful because a subscription business like that allows you to have monthly recurring revenue, right? Yeah. And and probably one of the most popular subscription boxes is KiwiCo. Sure. And Mark Rober also launched his own. So that's right. It's a popular thing. Um, it feels like it's really good timing. And Vsauce has had this curiosity box for a while. Yeah, for a couple of years. But and they've become really hot. Yeah, and, and we did a review of, of the curiosity box and I loved it. I thought it was super cool. Like it, if I had a kid who was interested in science and just exploring these like cool projects, I definitely would subscribe to this. Like you can get a new thing in the mail. It's like a present every month. You open it up. There's fun stuff to build and play with. And then in a month from then, you get something brand new. So the company sold for $12 million, which is really significant. They had 10,000 active subscribers. That means 10,000 people were paying once a month. And I think when you zoom out at the creator economy, moving from, you know, just the advertising model into building these real substantial businesses that have customers, it's a really interesting time. I want you to read um, Jake Roper's quote from the press release about this. Yeah, Jake Roper says here, I feel a bit vindicated because somebody saw this as an actual business worth actual money. It wasn't just, oh, it's for your own audience. No, this is a real business. We built something. Creators do create actual businesses. It feels good to have a win for creators. We can build things that are worth something. And I love that because Mm -hmm. 
you know, when we look at a Chamberlain coffee or Beast Burger, there can be the stigma of, yeah, but who's really buying it? Yeah, it's like is it getting past product, the yeah. audience? Uh, yeah. and, and in this instance, this is true vindication that creators are building things that can stand alone without them. I think what's really important to look at here is they didn't call it the Vsauce box, right? That's mm-hmm. for audience members. That's for subscribers. That's merchandise. We're elevating into companies, right? It's the curiosity box. That's it's the published press. Yeah. Even when we think about courses, we're thinking about like, it's not going to be Colin and Samir University. It's going to be Samir and Colin University. Or maybe Hustlers University. <laughs> no, Samir. No. Okay. no. All right. My bad. My bad. Uh, just who knows? Could be anything. But this is a theme that's happening a lot more. Like um, Rhett and Link are releasing a mythical board game. And that's something that they're releasing soon. And that's going to be really interesting. And I wanted to bring them up as a segue. We told you guys that that episode was coming out this week. It's not. It's coming out next week. And we went through, you know, we're going through kind of a review process with Mythical, getting the episode in a really good spot. So we needed an extra week for that. That will be out next week. I'm pumped about it. There's also a studio tour to come along with it. So get ready for that. But that is coming out next week. And this week we got to put out that conversation with Ben Nempton, which if you haven't listened to it yet, I would go back and listen to it. It's the episode right before this. It's a very unique perspective on someone who essentially did YouTube before YouTube and also has a really good perspective on mental health and creators. Now let's get into some questions from the Reddit, huh? This first one. Why'd you say, huh? I'm just saying, huh? Like, you know, you want to? Oh, yeah. Yes, like, I do. I thought you were confused. No. Like, let's get into some questions from the Reddit. Huh? No, no, I didn't. I didn't it, it, let the record show. I didn't have an inflection point like that. I y- said, you should have said, let's get into some questions from the Reddit, eh? Yeah, but I don't Take say more eh. of a Canadian approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get into some questions from the Reddit, huh? Okay. Okay, that one I didn't deliver well. Yeah. Okay, well, let's do it. Right? Correct. This one comes from Music by Drew. Help. Sudden decline in shorts views. Has anyone noticed a harsh decline the past couple days with shorts numbers? I normally hit somewhere between 100 and 1,000 views on shorts. Occasionally, I'll have a few hit below 10, but recently it's been on a growth trajectory. But in the last three days, I've gotten zero views on any of my shorts and wonder if I had one view on a short and the next day that short went down to no views. Thoughts and ideas welcome. Yeah, I mean, it must just be you because our shorts are... (laughs) Gaining tons of viewership. Well, yeah, no, that's not true. We um, we have seen incredibly stark decline in shorts viewership. I mean, we're looking at, if I'm just reading the past viewership of our shorts, yeah. 2.3 million, 1.6 million, 4.1 million, 1.8, 7.7 million, 57,000, 33,000. Yeah, I mean, that's like stark. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, the way I would think about this, to be honest, is... Again, when we're talking about content market fit, which is something we talk about a lot, you know, obviously it's what you want to make. It's uh, what your audience wants to see, but it's also what the algorithm wants, what the platform wants, right? And the platform right now, it's obvious they're like testing some new things with shorts and something has changed. And I think that's, you know, the reality. And we, we always have to play with that. If it's not working for the platform for like for us, we're going to take a break from shorts. We're just take a, take a step back. It's not something that's gaining a ton of traction. It's not something that's probably worth our, our team's time right now. Um, you know, at least to do the really intensive produced ones, maybe we'll still clip out stuff from the episodes, but 
for the time being, we're going to slow down on our shorts production because we have seen a significant decline in shorts viewership. But as a professional creator, these are the elements that you're going to deal with. You know, I, I think in a way you have to think of the platforms as creators themselves mm. and they are going to launch new things to experiment and they're going to want to drive a ton of eyeballs to those new things. But, you know, just like creators, uh, interests change and things sometimes have to be retired. Think about throughout our early years, how many times we tried out a new format, didn't work, tried something new, tried out a new format. Maybe it worked for six episodes and then I uh, stopped working and we have to change course. And in a way, you know, there are so many forces at play for these platforms that they have to make sometimes big changes to continue to experiment and to test. So especially when it comes to YouTube shorts, which is a new feature, whenever you launch something new, there's going to be uh, probably a lot of changes that come after that. Yeah. And, you know, it's just important to remember as a creator that, you know, we say this often, but you're really building a home on rented land. Yes. Right. This is not your platform. They make a lot of the decisions, they make all the decisions, quite mm -hmm. frankly. And you see with Instagram right now how unhappy people are because photos have been deprioritized. And that may never come back in a, in a real way. Yeah. It's the harsh reality of getting the advantage of, of occasional distribution and building a career on these platforms that you don't own. Yeah, I would say like for us, shorts viewership has significantly decreased, but at the same time, I enjoy making shorts. I think shorts are a great part of our brand. We'll still make shorts, but they won't be as prioritized as they used to be. We used to make three a week. Yeah. Um, they were super prioritized. There, there may be a time when we do that again. Yeah. Again, that might happen again, but we'll we'll oscillate with it. Like we will play into this world of what's happening on the platform. That's just part of it. Speaking of platforms, I love me a video question from the Reddit. And this one comes from Hunter Tate 2. Hey, Colin and Samir. Uh, my name is Hunter. I do social media marketing for a chain of coffee shops. I had a question about Instagram. You guys talk a lot recently um, on the podcast how it's kind of fallen behind. And let's just say it kind of falls off the map. I'm curious what you think businesses or coffee shops should do. Um, I would say Instagram is essentially our website right now. Uh, that's where we put most of our marketing. Um, and I can't really picture my job without Instagram. So I was just curious what you think uh, the direction would be. Thanks, guys. This is a super interesting question, Great question. And something very relevant to me because yeah. my girlfriend is a social media manager for a series of coffee shops. And it is difficult because, you know, right now for her, she's transitioning from posting photos to trying to post reels and TikToks. But when you think about it, with most coffee shops or restaurants, you're looking at a very small geographic area, right, that you're trying to target. And if Instagram truly falls off, then perhaps you want to think about old school style marketing of how can you be in physical locations? Can you partner with community groups? I know here in Venice, there's a Venice run club that is growing every week. It's amazing. Have you seen some of the videos of the crowds at Venice run club? Yeah, of course. Right. It's mm -hmm. hundreds of people running two times a week. Yeah. Can you partner with them and, you know, uh, offer coffee and become super yeah. relevant uh, in the community that you're actually trying to serve because you know, look, if you made, let's say Instagram falls off, you start making incredible TikToks and you're going viral. Is that actually the audience you even want to hit? You yeah, know, it's not, it's, it's really, yeah. I'm sure maybe like five coffee spots or five restaurants you want to hit when you travel to this town, 
maybe people will see that and sure. like they come to your town, tourists visit. Yeah, I was going to say, like for me, from a coffee shop perspective, and I'm traveling to a new city, I'm looking for a coffee shop, right? Like that's just like, that's what I enjoy doing. So I'm probably searching it on Instagram to like see the vibe and see other people or the location. So I think it can still operate as your website. I mm -hmm. actually just don't think you need to be posting there every day. I think it's like a static page. Now you zoom out and say, how did coffee shops get customers before Instagram? I think it was what you mentioned. They were community hubs and I still think they are community hubs. Mm -hmm. So I would actually probably in the short term, if you're just zooming in on Instagram and Instagram is becoming more challenging, I actually would also explore like partnerships with local people. You know, mm -hmm. like there's a local creator here, JT Barnett, who talks a lot yeah. about TikTok and he goes to our local coffee shop, Little Lunch, and just like promotes the hell out of it on his Instagram. Yeah, so he does like, a meetup every yeah, he does a meet -up. weekend. But I think, you know, even Little Lunch, they're starting to do like, they're going to play movies in their coffee shop in the evenings. Um, I think it's about communities yeah. and I think doing community events. I think your role, potentially even, you know, Madeline's role mm -hmm. will become a head of community role. Totally. Right. Because that's, what's valuable is how can you bring people here and have them enjoy it and hang out? How can you host community events? How can you be plugged into what's going on in your local area to make sure your coffee shop is present in those conversations? And I think that's actually a big lesson for all creators. Like, I think we're probably moving in a direction where even you and I, right, Colin and Samir, the brand and the creator community, we want to exist in physical spaces. We want to actually bring communities together. We want to be present in this community um, and create spaces, events, um, opportunities for people to engage with each other. That's that's the thing. You know, the content is how you can scale that. But Instagram is not a property right now that's allowing for that much scale. No, it really isn't. Like, what are we looking at? Like someone is posting on Instagram for a business right now and getting 30 likes, you know, and like 30 people are seeing that kind of passively. Like you're not creating that much depth anymore. Yeah. And it's also not in the best interest of these platforms, specifically Instagram, to have brands that are succeeding with organic growth and content. If you're a brand and a business, they would rather you're paying Instagram oh, to, run, sure. to run yeah. ads. Yeah. You know, so Instagram wants the individual who is a coffee influencer to grow. Sure. That's in their best interest. Yeah. They want Emma Chamberlain to be huge. Yeah. But they may not be as interested in Chamberlain coffee pumping out viral hits on Instagram. Most likely they would like Chamberlain coffee to pay Instagram to run ads. Yeah. And I also think it doesn't have to be Emma Chamberlain, right? Like you can have a local person who just has... It's just like a community leader type mm -hmm. person, right? Like, you know, the guy who runs the Venice Run Club, which is, again, hundreds of people go running in this run club. Actually, a local, you know, gym, or I guess it's a international chain, but Barry's Bootcamp just partnered with Venice Run Club to do a run and offer a free Barry's class to everyone who comes to that run that night. So that's the new version of marketing, but it's also the version that existed before Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Grassroots marketing, where I would do that. It's like, we're going to do a meetup and everyone who comes to this meetup gets a free coffee, right? So I mean, you just have to start coming up with like marketing for coffee shops and marketing for companies is going to have to get a lot more creative than posting a photo. Yeah. It really comes down to headlines. Yeah. How will people talk about what you're doing? I mm -hmm. mean, another thing that I know little lunch did one day I was there and they had partnered with an app that organized like meetup groups for mental health. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 Called sesh or mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. like that. 
And that's remarkable, right? Like you can go and recommend that to a friend or tell someone that's what was happening at our coffee shop today. So I think that's a big part of it. What type of community events are you hosting? What are you doing that, you know, even if there are 12 people who show up to an event you host at your coffee shop, can those 12 people easily talk about what you just did, the event that you threw to people when they get home or, you know, the next day? A great thing to do is to write down headlines, like write down the headlines of this coffee shop. Like what, what did this coffee shop do that made headlines in your local town? And those might not make a local newspaper, but they just might be, you know, something that someone says to someone else. So try that, write those down. But I hope that's helpful. I mean, the answer to what happens to local businesses, I think they evolve. Yeah. They evolve out of this. Their advantage is that they are local and we don't have necessarily super localized social media. I think the same way we just talked about deprioritizing shorts, I would urge a lot of local businesses and small businesses to really examine how much emphasis they're putting on Instagram. It used to be a big emphasis. If you were a business and you didn't have a good Instagram, you were like non-existent. Yeah. Today, I don't think that's true. I also think in a community, especially with coffee, when it comes to you and I, it's all about cool by association. Mm-hmm. Coffee needs to be good. There's no doubt about that. But I think about Minotti's, where my girlfriend works, they partnered with the Venice Beach Football Club, mm-hmm. which is the this really cool. hip, yeah. like, mm-hmm. you know, group of people that plays soccer, pick yeah. up soccer in Venice, and they've got really cool branded jerseys, and they sell merch, and Minotti's sponsored their team, sponsored sure. the jerseys. Right. So I think, again, it's about cool by association or whatever you want by association. Yeah. I mean, honestly, a coffee shop could come to us, say, hey, do you want to do a series of events? You could do it here and we'll provide coffee to everyone free of charge. And we'd probably host like a coffee with creators. Yeah. Conversation. Right. Mm -hmm. So. So if anyone's out 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 there, yeah, I mean, I mean, that also might be something we should pitch to local coffee shops. Probably. Yeah. And then take it on the road and then take, oh my God, take it on the road, Colin. That's such a good idea. Yeah. A tour to coffee shops. Yeah. Oh, coffee with creators, coffee with creators. Oh man. We could go to Denver. You, you love Denver. You do. Oh, we could. Okay. We could also go to Austin, Texas, Portland. We We go go to Portland. Portland. We can go to Austin, Seattle, Vancouver. Yeah. Baltimore. All right. Coming to a city near you. (laughs) Coffee with creators with Colin and Samir. Wow. That sounds pretty good. That's exciting. That's exciting. Hold on. Our photographer, Chris Chu is calling me who is, uh, he's coming to take photos of us tonight. One second, Chris. Hey, Samir. Uh, I think I'm in the parking lot. Oh, you're here. Yes. Okay, great. Um, we're just wrapping a podcast right now, but it's all good. No, it's all good. You're on the pod right now. You want to say, Hey, Oh, hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, sorry for interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. All right. I will, uh, I'll text you the door code and, and, uh, and our unit number, and then you can just pop in and bring your stuff in. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. All right, man. To close the gap on that conversation yeah. that you just had there, we're taking photos because we don't really have any photos. Yeah, actually, uh, specifically because we're hosting something with YouTube and they needed a photo of us and we literally did not have one that met their requirements. It was too blurry. Our favorite photo was Our too favorite blurry. photo was too blurry. It was, it was too, too small. So yeah. we need to get into a practice of taking photos because we're just not used to it. We don't have photos. We're not used to it. Branding is important. Okay, and our last question here, the title is spread content over multiple platforms slash mediums or focus on one platform slash medium. Would love to get Colin and Samir's take on the benefits of spreading out posts over a lot of platforms and mediums or just focusing heavily on one. I would say when you first start out, you should go all in on one. And then I think over time, you can start to explore others. 
I think it depends what type of videos you're making. I agree that you should become a student of one platform because, you know, let's say you're just making short form vertical content. Reels is going to react differently than TikTok, which is going to react differently than YouTube shorts. And it's important to become a student and, and really get in tune with the platforms. But I also think if you're making short vertical video, you might as well put them out on all those platforms and see. Because it's not, the videos aren't that different. So no, I agree with that. Why don't you just do it, see if one really takes off, and then go from there. That's, if, if you're starting with short form vertical. Yeah, that's fair. I think, though, committing to a platform, like even you think about Victoria Paris when we interviewed her, right? She was like TikTok. And then the headlines were able to be like, she's taking over TikTok. I, and I think that still could happen if you're if you're across multiple platforms. But I think even like Casey Neistat, you know, so dedicated on YouTube, barely posted on Instagram, even in his prime of daily vlogging. Um, and I think that's like it's it's in my opinion, I think about from a brand perspective, the way that the industry talks about you and thinks about you. It's helpful for it to be all in on one platform. And I also yeah. think your relationship with that platform also can emerge if you find success. And that's really beneficial, right? Dylan LeMay, I think, is a great example. Dylan LeMay is someone who posted his ice cream videos across TikTok and YouTube. And YouTube, because it has a real, you know, actual relationship with creators, was able to um, have a partner manager assigned to him and they helped him. And now look at him opening up his ice cream store in New York City. And you have Robert Kinsel, the now former chief business officer of YouTube, there at the ice cream opening, you know, like, and they have this depth of relationship mm-hmm. because he went all in on a platform. Yeah. I think along those lines, I would say create for the platform that you're the biggest consumer of. Like, where are you actually spending a lot of your time? Yeah. For us, we love YouTube. Mm-hmm. We watch so much of YouTube and you know, you look at over the past 10 years, we generated relationships with YouTube creators and we collaborated with them. We learned from them. Yep. It made our videos better. They showed up in our videos. And so I think that's also really important. You know, where do you actually want to spend your time? If you consume tons of TikTok, maybe don't start a YouTube channel if you don't even watch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, totally. I completely agree with that. I think that happens far too often. I see that a lot with podcasters who are like, well, we're filming the podcast. Let's just put it on YouTube. But that's not like, that's, yeah. if you're not all in on YouTube, it's not going to work. Yeah. It, it's especially YouTube as a platform. So I think initially you should really dive into one platform and then expand from there. By the way, there was this really funny thing in Reddit about this creator that I found out about. Um, her name is Bernadette Banner and okay. she explores historical fashion, but she like decided to start an OnlyFans mm. as a like old Victorian kind of like fashion person. Yeah. And so it's about like the OnlyFans is saucy Victorian ankle pics. <laughs> so it's like, it's like showing just her ankles, but still in like socks and leggings. Mm-hmm. I think it's really fun. It's like a that really funny. funny joke and take on, uh, you know, an OnlyFans that's safe for work. I really think there's comedy. a market for, and this may already exist, but more of those types of accounts, like meme accounts on OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like sign up for my OnlyFans and I'll pay you a compliment type thing. Yeah, like but they really can't last that long. Like once you yeah, see the joke, not. once you see the joke, it's not like Vsauce's curiosity box where you're subscribed every month, right? I don't know, man. At kindness kindness isn't a joke to me. I, at least I don't think so. <laughs> well, speaking of OnlyFans, I do okay. want to highlight because this was also in the published press. Uh, very popular top earning OnlyFans creator, Amaranth. She launched a 
uh, personal assistant service specifically for creators because she noticed that when she hired a team, her earnings on OnlyFans uh, went like through the roof. And so now she started a company called Real Work that is aimed at creators. Uh, if you go to the website, it says right there, because it's real work. And I think that's Whoa. an interesting, you know, uh, almost like rally cry or mission statement that, you know, maybe creators aren't taking that seriously yeah. uh, by, you know, more traditional companies. And I also wonder if maybe that's a rally cry for, you know, OnlyFans creators, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And, and sex workers or, or, you know, creators who are doing different types of work. Yeah. And so I think it's really interesting that, you know, the, the team at real work will step in and help with organization yeah. structure, things like that. So, uh, and the website looks great. So another, here's another new creator business that, you know, over time, who yep. knows, could eventually get acquired or it could just be a really good cash business that down the line, people don't even know it was started by Amaranth. You want to talk about a good cash business? Yeah. Amaranth's only fans. Yes. Well, how, yeah. what did she, how, how much gone? How much did she tweeted this out? Do you want me to guess? Yeah. Are we playing the guessing let's play, game? Let's play the numbers game. She yeah. tweeted this out. How much money has she made just to date this year? To date? To date. To date or this year? This year, this to, year date. to date. So in so, this no, year. 2022. <laughs> yeah. Not year to date. Not year to date. Not YTD, but 2022 year to date. Let's say 12 million. <laughs> 30 million. 33 million. Okay. That was pretty close. Sometimes it takes me a couple 33 guesses. 33 million dollars. All I needed was for you to scoff at my first. <laughs> 33 million. Yeah, no, That's insane. Unbelievable. 33 yeah. million. I hear you. There's still the whole back half of the year. Yeah. No, 33 I, million I, dollars. Yeah, I hear you. That's unbelievable. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty crazy. Also, the last thing, just before we jump to go do this photo shoot now, well, actually, Colin, I have two things. Oh my can gosh. I do a Is thing? this one on the yeah, way? Can I again? do one yeah, on the fine. way? Let's do one. Let's and then do one do on the way. Because well, I always say the last thing, and then I recognize I have something else to say. I know. Oh okay. my gosh. The, you brought up the published press and the story from the published press. I want to bring up a tweet that was sent out because we started putting job postings in the newsletter in the published press. Yeah. And someone tweeted today that they got their job from the newsletter from the published press. Like they are working in the creator economy for Johnny Harris because of the newsletter. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's so cool that our newsletter can now play a huge role in someone's life. Yeah. They got a job they because got a job. they signed up for our newsletter. That's crazy. Yeah. So the section is called creator moves. So if you're not signed up for the published press yet, make sure to go to the publishpress.com sign up for our, our newsletter. And yeah, when we send them out, check out yeah. creator moves and publishpress.com. Okay. The second thing that I will say, is this the last thing? This now? is now the last thing okay, that I have. No for more today. things. No more this. things today. Um, clearly this is a gripe of yours, but yeah. the, the last thing that I have is this whole new genre of music that I found over the weekend because of my friend Esteban, which is called slowed and reverbed. So like John Mayer, a John Mayer song. That's like, John Mayer, Stop This Train. Very sad song, very great song, emotional. But they have versions of this song on YouTube where it's slowed down to half speed and added reverb. So it sounds kind of like, I don't know, like it's like this wild kind of ever-present voice. And then they have this even more niche version of this, this types of songs where it says slowed down, reverbed, and in the other room. 
So it's like distanced from you. Mm -hmm. And then there's further where it's like slowed down in the car, you're in the back seat and it's raining. Yeah. I'm not joking. This is a real, mm -hmm. there is a most like specificity. And you just got a text. Yeah. It's like crazy. Yeah. But it like what's wild is it puts you in those places emotionally. And uh, anyway, it feels like part of the lo-fi girl movement where it's just put on a playlist, but just modify it into these like totally different ways. I just, you find something like a whole new pocket of YouTube. If you just sit for an hour, so amazing to me that you can just find a pocket of YouTube. You didn't know existed that millions and millions of people watch. So Esteban gave you this recommendation. Do you yeah. think he's a listener of the show? Occasionally. Yeah. Occasionally. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think this could be fun because your brother Sahil never said pineapple, pineapple to that's you. Right. You said that's that if, right. he, if he came up to you and yeah. said that in the month of August, in the month of August over now that yeah. you would give him yeah. a grant. Yep. Okay. Should we transfer that to Esteban now? Yes. <laughs> if if Esteban comes up to either of us yeah. and says the word pineapple in the month of September, yeah. do we have to give him a grand? That no, feels like no, a lot. No. I think we give him like a high five and like a $20 bill. I think we give him a burrito of his choice. Okay, that's A burrito yeah, that's of better, his choice. Which is about a $20 value. So, yes. <laughs> and then we'll high five after. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> thanks for listening. We'll see you in East Rutherford. That's where the new Beast Burger is. Right.